Hi, this is Todd Duncan. On July 22nd, I'm bringing to the mortgage and real estate community my brand new workshop entitled Irrefutable, The Five Principles of High-Performance Mortgage and Real Estate Practices. In this four-hour live stream, I'm going to share these five principles, and I promise you they will guarantee not only profitable growth, production growth, efficiency growth, but they'll also serve to give you an insurance policy to handle any of the uncertainties about the future economy. Come join me on July 22nd by clicking the show notes and using the promo code TODD50, that's 50TODD50, and you'll get $50 off your ticket to Irrefutable. I look forward to seeing you online on July 22nd. Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's your host, Todd Duncan. Well, we are, uh, we're going to welcome Arthur Brown from Fairway Independent Mortgage. And uh, um, Arthur, it's so good to see you. Hey, it's incredible to see both of you guys as well. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure and honor, and I am going to uh, publicly thank Miss Linda because uh, she put you on our radar and she said, you got to meet this guy and uh, your life will never be the same. And after talking with you and now uh, having a conversation, I agree with her 100%. So since you brought Arthur to the sales mastery stage, why don't you start the conversation and go from there? So... You know, I love I love people who have an amazing story of perseverance and determination and, and, um, and continue to uh, tell that story to make a difference yeah. in the life of others. And when Arthur and I first talked, I, I immediately texted her and I said, OMG, we just, <laughs> I just found who we have to put on stage. I don't care where he's on stage, but we have to put him on stage this year. What an amazing story. So... Other, I'm not going to take your your thunder away. I'm going to let you tell your story, and uh, I love your heart, and thank you so much for allowing us into your life, and um, and just we're excited to hear from you today. Well, thank you. So I'll I'll kind of start off and, and tell you guys a little bit. I've been in the mortgage industry 20 plus years, but before I even thought about getting in the mortgage industry, um, I, w- I was a young young man growing up in Gary, Indiana. And if anybody ever heard of Gary, Indiana, at that time when I was growing up, Gary, Indiana was the number one murder city per capita in the U.S. People have heard of Gary, Indiana because of the Jackson Five. That's really what they're known for, right? Or what we're known for, but it was way deeper than that with me growing up. At an early stage of my life, um, my mom and dad got a divorce. And I remember very vividly that we moved to the projects. Now, let me explain something to you guys. When I say the word projects, I truly mean projects. It's not, a, it's not a household where you got mom and dad and you have two kids. No, you're talking about a single mom raising six, seven kids or a dad raising six, seven kids. And I remember me and my brother, when we first moved into the projects, we had to fight every other day to prove ourselves. I remember one time my mom told me point blank, hey, look, if your brother gets into a fight and you don't jump in and help him, you better be ready to deal with me when you get home. So that was enough said for me to make me understand that that's what we had to deal with. Um, 
as I got older in life, as I went into high school, and this is the part that stood out for me so much. If you've ever heard of a lady named Paula Cooper, well, Paula was the first um, individual female of the age of 16 years old that was on death row in Indiana. And she committed a crime at the age of 15. Her and three of her friends went by an elderly lady's house. She was 78 years old, and basically they killed her. And they only took a couple of dollars, stole her car. Next thing you know, it's all over national news. And guess what? She was my classmate. Um, and that had a, a huge impact on me as I got older. But the big thing that stuck out for me when I was still a young man was that my mom got remarried to, I'm going to call him a monster, because I never wanted my mom to marry this individual. I just felt like he was not right for our family. It was me, my brother, and my sister. And years later, I find out that he sexually abused my sister. Um, and it was tough for me to deal with that because I was the oldest in the family. And I felt like I let her down. At that point, I was in college. And um, one other thing that sticks out for me with this monster is that I was 13 years old. And we, I was doing something with my little brother. And next thing you know, um, he comes up and we're going back and forth. And he just he slaps me so hard. Um, and being from Gary, growing up in the projects, of course, I'm thinking I can handle myself at 13 years old with this grown man who's probably 6'2", 230. Well, I punched him in the stomach. Well, what he does is he goes to the bedroom. He comes back with a semi-automatic gun and points it right in my face. And I just froze. And I looked at my mom. And my mom just said, basically to me, what can I do? And I think from that point, I knew I was an individual that had to figure out a way to make this a lifestyle for me and only me. Um, so I, I, I dug into sports and I was really good in football and in track and field. And ultimately I became top ranked, top 100 in the nation in the 400 hurdles. And as I went into my senior year in high school, I didn't know, I didn't have a male figure in my life. I was a decent student. And let me rephrase that, decent student. I, I maintained a 2.4 GPA. The highest map I took in high school was Algebra 1. I started off at Algebra 2 my senior year, but I took one test and just destroyed it the opposite way. I didn't destroy it like just killing the test. Hey, no, I destroyed it like F minus. And at that point, I knew I had to, like, I can't take this class. I got to drop it. So I dropped it. And I'm getting these schools recruiting me, like Penn State and Purdue and track. And, and one day my best friend comes up to me and says, hey, have you thought about going to ITT Technical Institute? Man, we could get our degree in three years, blah, blah, blah. Keep in mind, I don't have a male figure in my life. And I'm thinking at the age of 18 years old, that's the easy way out. So I just forgot about going to college. I went to ITT, and within two months, I knew I screwed up. It was the worst decision I could have ever made in my life, um, to a certain degree, because it, at that point, it, it allowed me to become a man. I'll explain to you in a moment how it truly be, allowed me to become a man. Um, but within those first two months, I knew I made the wrong decision. I couldn't go to my mom because she was a single mom, right? So I was working three jobs. I was working Taco Bell. I was working Target. I was working McDonald's. I was getting two and a half hours of sleep a day, walking two miles one way to work, another two miles the other way, or I would catch the bus. And um, I was devastated. I, I couldn't get out of this 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 hole I was in. And one day, I, I just prayed to God. I was just like, if there's any way you could possibly see me out of the situation, I promise I will not let you down. 
And probably within two weeks later, my other best friend who I ran high school with in track and field, he reached out to me and said, hey, the track coach at Ball State, um, I talked to him about you. I, I think you got an opportunity to come on board, walk on. He might be able to give you some money. I mean, that's all I needed to hear. I mean, I, I saved as much money as I could. I enrolled at Ball State. Uh, but here's the crazy thing. I knew I wanted to major in business. I mean, I just remember when I was in high school, I used to walk around with my little briefcase. I thought I was something. So when I went to Ball State, they said, okay, since your scores were not good, and, and before I forget, guys, I took the SAT three times. And I never scored over 700. And I think they give you at least 500 for signing your name, if I'm not mistaken. So I took that test three times. And it wasn't because I was, I was incompetent or I was stupid. It was because I was not prepared for a standardized test from where I grew up at. I, I mean, I would have failed it probably eight times if I would have taken it. So I had to start off with, I call it mediocre math, which was basically decimals and fractions and division. And it was a pass-fail class. That was simple as that pass-fail. Well, guess what? I, I failed it. I failed it. I was devastated. I was like, <laughs> I don't know, should I be at Ball State or what? So I took the class again. I passed it. I'm feeling good about myself. Well, guess what? You got to take calculus. That's the next class. We're jumping your head. If you want to do business, let's roll into calculus. Well, guess what? I took it. I failed it. I was devastated again. But the one thing I remember in the back of my mind that's always kept me motivated, I did not want to go back to where I started at and where I was at Project Women in the Ball State. So eventually I got to a point where I went into the business school and I graduated, guess what guys, with a 2.4 GPA. Um, and at that time, my, my girlfriend who eventually became my wife moved in with me on my senior year in college. And you know, my, my track buddies and my fraternity brothers were looking at me like, are you really letting your girlfriend move in with you, man, your senior year? Are you really doing this? And I'm like, yeah, she's gonna eventually be my wife one day. Um, so we decided to move to Colorado. And the, the unique thing about Colorado, I had a father, or my father lived out here in Colorado, but, you know, since him and my mom had got a divorce with me being nine, we didn't really see eye to eye. It was kind of tough. Um, but when we moved to Colorado, I remember we, we stayed on the air mattress for two months. Um, we lived off our credit cards. We, we, we were just trying to figure out a way to make it. Um, and my, my wife was there. She was my backbone. She was on my support. And when I met my wife prior to us moving to Colorado, she was studying to become a lawyer. She was studying the LSAT and, and it was incredible. And she put her life on hold for me and, and moving fast forward. I remember the job that I was pushing for was a credit manager. And they told me point blank, I had to go through a credit um, agency or um, in terms of not a credit agent. I'm sorry, guys. I basically had to go through an employment agency to get this job. And they were going to take 18% of my salary off the top if I even got the job. And remember, I graduated with a 2-4. So I kicked butt on the first three interviews. I mean, I kicked butt in Aurora, Colorado, Arvada, Colorado, or and then Fort Collins. And the last interview was in Wyoming. I never forget this. I look right at the guy. I'm like, where the hell is Wyoming at? I only, I'm from Indiana. And next thing you know, I'm driving to Wyoming. I destroyed the interview. I killed it. They hired me on the spot. So here I am, number one, they didn't think I could do it. I did it. I overcame any type of fear, any type of negativity that I thought I had in my mind, and I knew I was on my way. Um, as I got that job, I, 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 I mean, I was making $16,000 a year with a degree right out of college, knowing that they were taking X amount as far as that particular um, salary deduction. But one day, I was a credit manager, and one day I happened to look at this gentleman's account. And I noticed he made eight or nine thousand dollars a month. I was really intrigued. I'm like, 
what does he do for a living? Come to find out he was a mortgage lender. So I just reached out to him. I said, hey, I would love to meet you, pick your brain to see if there's any connection. He said, sure, let's meet up at this blah, blah, blah. Come to find out he invited me to an Amway convention. And I'm like, I'm not trying to sell Amway. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get into mortgage lending, right? And um, at that point, I, I knew, I said, okay, I got to go a different way, right? So eventually I knew there was a branch that was opened up in Colorado in terms of the city called Mount Bell, which is predominantly African-American at that time. And I've reached out just to this area manager. I think I called him three times a week, probably for like five weeks straight. And eventually he finally took my call and he, he pulled me into his office. He said, look here, Arthur, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I know you don't have any experience, but I'm going to take a chance on you because you were so persistent with calling me that if you continue to do this, I can't see anything but you making sure that you're going to be a successful individual in this business. And he hired me. I started off. Um, I did well, but I knew I, that company was not for me after 10 months. So I started a new company. Now, here, listen to this, guys. This is the thing when, when you deal with racism. And racism is, is, is playing today. It's still out there. It's never going to go away, in my personal opinion, not as the degree that we all think it is, right? So I got hired at this company. Well, the gentleman who was trying to sell me Amway, guess what? He's working with me now, right? Great guy for the most part. He had a builder account. He had two builder accounts. And one was in a, one area and another was in predominantly um, uh, Caucasian area. And he focused so much on that one builder account in the Caucasian area, he never focused on the one in the black area. And one day I went to the owner of the company and said, hey, look, I would love the opportunity to go talk to these sales reps. I think I could keep the account because it looks like we're going to lose it. They pulled Mike into the office. Mike says, no, I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'll make sure I call him the builder the next day. Well, guess what? He never called him the builder. Two weeks later, they reached back out to me um, and said, Arthur, we haven't heard from Mike. What are you going to do? We're thinking about pulling this account. Well, I reached back out to the owners. They pulled me in the office and they say, well, actually, they didn't pull me in the office. I'll tell you the story. They pulled Mike into the office. They said, Mike, here's the deal. We're, we made an executive decision. We're going to pull the account from you and we're going to give it to Arthur. Mike looked right at them and said, I don't think that's a good idea. And they were like, what do you mean? Well, you know, they said, no, we don't know. What do you mean? Well, the way he talks, the way he dresses, the way he carries himself, you, you know, he's black. And they looked right at him and said, are you kidding me? Um, and when I caught wind of that, it, 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 it kind of floored me. But in reality, I expected it to a certain degree because that's where I came from. That's what I was used to. But I just didn't know that it was prevalent prevalent that day in time. I was kind of naive to that. And this gentleman, two days later, he went to another company, took the accounts. And right then and there, I knew that um, I had to refocus my thinking and figure out a way to be successful in this business. Um, and as I got older in this business, it took me to a whole nother level. Eventually, I got to a point where I became um, top 1% in the country as far as the mortgage industry goes. And I owe a lot of that to um, the Hispanic community because 30 to 40% of my business at that time was Spanish speaking business. I didn't speak a lick of Spanish whatsoever, but I catered to that business. And then also my community, it was tough for me because I tried to get business to the Caucasian side, but you know, back then it was BC credit. If you guys remember that BC, D, F, E, you name it. If you could, if you had some type of credit, you could get that loan done. And that's what they were throwing me. And I knew I had to figure out a way to, figure out how can I tap over to that side. And one thing I remember that this area manager always told me, he said, Arthur, whatever you do, 
do not forget to ask for the business when you go into that office. Well, I didn't like that because for me, I'm a people person. And I knew by me being black that I had to build a relationship for them to trust me. Right. So not. No, I didn't ask for the business. What I did, I went into the office and I saw the pictures of their family and their kids. And I would ask them about their kids and their family and what they where they're from and how long they've been in the business. And I would invite them over to barbecues and we would go and do lunches. And I felt like if I built that type of relationship, that there would be no way they would ever turn me away if I messed up on a deal. And that's what really propelled me into being as good as I am to this day in the mortgage industry. Wow, wow, wow. So I, I, have to, I, I have to ask your question, though, because you, when we were talking on the phone a couple weeks ago, you made a statement about what it takes to be successful. And I, I found it to be a very powerful statement. Do you remember what you said? I said you have to be wired differently. You have to be wired differently. I think you have to think differently. You have to act differently. You have to be wired differently. Give, give us a couple of minutes of that. Get to help us understand that. Well, one important part that I skipped, and you guys know this. So when I was growing up, I had a best friend. And me and him did everything together. He was probably a better athlete than I was. And he went to the military. And he got um, discharged from the military. And, and he went on a um, killing spree. He killed seven people. They called him the shotgun killer. And when I heard the news, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was devastated. Eventually, he got convicted, and he was sentenced to death row. Now you got two people that I knew, one personally, that are on death row. And remember, I, I'm no older than 21 years old at this time. I had another good friend who was part of that situation. He got 60 years. I mean, we grew up since we were six years old. And then there was my neighbor who sat, well, actually, I sat, but he lived two, ho two houses down from me. He's doing life sentence because he killed his girlfriend. Now, we all grew up together. So when I say I'm wired differently, I'm not saying I'm wired differently to, to be, the, be in the mortgage industry because I'm good at numbers, I'm, I'm good at selling. I'm wired differently because with what I dealt with at an early age from my stepdad sexually abusing my sister to pulling a gun on me until my best friends would always tell me, hey, we're doing some stuff tonight, man. You can't hang with us. I don't know if they knew that I didn't want to be a part of it or they knew that, hey, you got something going on. We don't want to mess it up for you. So for me, when I say the word wired, I'm wired in the sense that I have the mental capacity to deal with almost anything in life. You can't tell me anything. You can't show me anything that I haven't seen or I haven't heard at all. You know, if I have a bad day at work, I, I go back to thinking of my friend who's now he's not on death row. He's, he's in he's in jail for life. But or looking at my mom, my mom had me when she was 19. My dad had me when he was 18. He's self-educating himself, which means that he got his GED after he graduated. So for me, I'm mentally motivated that I do not want to go back to that situation or that environment at that particular time in my life. That's what motivates me each and every day other than my kids. Yeah. So Arthur, this is so powerful. And uh, it, I was just I was just sitting here as you were rolling through your story, kind of mesmerized. And I could just listen to Arthur go on and on and on about just the difference between the choices you've made and, and you, the history and background in which you grew up in. And, and, and I love the title of this session. It is this idea of massive setbacks to massive success. And so the question I want you to, to kind of deal with and then lead us into where it has put you today 
the, this idea of you've had a, a lot of adversity and challenge that you've been part of, you've seen, and you've experienced. How would you advise people to deal with setbacks and, and how to come out of the other side of a setback victorious? Well, I think for me, it starts with being true to yourself. And, and what I mean by that is you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have heartaches. But if you believe in who you are, if you surround yourself, number one, with positive people, but if you surround yourself with people who think like you, that you could depend on, even if it's a situation where you feel like it's, it's the end all be all, there's always an opportunity for you to be successful in life. I mean, I'll give you an example, and I didn't discuss this with you guys, but I filed bankruptcy back in 2008. I had a sweet deal with a builder. I had two model homes. He was basically renting them back to me. And then the market basically tanked, as you guys know, in 06 to 09, 010. And I was devastated. And, and one thing, my family all looked up to me. And for me to be able to go from having 750 FICO scores to, to having 580 and, and having to file bankruptcy, that was devastating. But here's the, the one thing I would tell anybody and everybody. If you believe in yourself, you cannot let a negative moment define who you are. And I made a promise to myself that I was not going to let that moment define who I was because I had so much life to give. And most importantly, I believed in myself because you have to be self-motivated. I think that's what's missing with so many people in any type of industry. You have to be self-motivated. And the people who are successful, they're self-motivated. They, they find something each day in their life that motivates them. It's almost like when, when I play football and I'm saying to myself, I'm, I'm rushing 120 yards this game. I know they have a heck of a defense, but I'm going at it. Even if I didn't get it, I knew I tried it. So I would tell people, don't fear the unelevable that you're not going to make it because most people who don't make it, they never tried it to begin with. Very true. So, author, you, um, I know that you believe strongly in surrounding your yourself with positive people. I know that's been one of your, your major things, but I'd love to, I would love for you to give a heartfelt on, on your wife. Your wife passed away earlier this year. And um, yeah. just tell us about your wife real quickly and, and the kids. And so proud oh, of man, you man. Yes. as a single dad of four, the three in college, that's amazing. You and your wife have just shown what perseverance looks like and, and she would be so proud of you. Well, thank you. And um, no, she, she would be. And like I said, you know, I, I tease all of my male friends and say, my wife was truly smarter than me. There's no ifs and a bus about it, point blank. Um, you, you, you know, it's like Batman and Robin. And if she was Batman, I was Robin. <laughs> um, you know, we met in college working at Kmart, believe it or not. And um, it was interesting because I didn't know if I saw myself getting married down the road. And eventually she took this journey with me to Colorado not knowing anybody here. And eventually she struggled just like I did. But the one thing I could say about her, um, guys, is that she believed in me when I did not believe um, in myself. And for me to be where I'm at today, I owe it all to her, totally. Um, we had a plan with our kids. Um, I'm very competitive. So each one of my kids have either competed in the D1 or D2 level with football or track. Um, they set school records. They're multiple high school champions. And we had so much fun on that journey with them throughout elementary school to high school to college. 
Um, and ironic thing about it is my wife always wanted to work with me, not for me, but work with me. Right. And I just, I kept blowing her off for years. And eventually I finally said, you know what, babe? Okay. Let's, let's get you on board. And that Monday when she started that Tuesday is when she found out she had cancer. Um, and she was so positive all the way through. She was a two and a half year battle. Um, and what I did since that time, prior to her, um, prior to her, um, when God called her home, I had told her I was going to set up um, a foundation and her name is called the Shalana Brown Family Foundation. And we give out um, $6,000 a year to student athletes of color, because I just truly believe if, if there were more people out there like that in my community that was able to give back, you'll see more kids going to school, more kids going to college, just in, in general. And, and I truly believe in the legacy. And, you know, I'm for me, and I'm not here to brag or boast, but I could tell each and every one of these people are looking at me to this day. I grew up in the projects. Now I'm a multimillionaire. And the reason why I say it to that extreme is because if I could do it, you guys could do it. I built my wealth off of real estate. And I always tell people the example, if you're in the mortgage business and you don't own multiple properties, that's almost like you saying that you an insurance agent, but you don't have life insurance. It doesn't make sense does not make sense at all so everybody who's doing what they're doing in the mortgage industry you got to invest guys you got to take a step back and look at where you're at because when i got into business man people were blowing money like it was left and right and to this day you still see them working trying to figure out life some of them so for me linda thank you so much for allowing me to speak about my wife i really appreciate that absolutely mm -hmm. and tell us the name of the, the kids um, Isaiah, Marion, Kennedy, and Cameron. Cameron's my youngest one. I take her to Sacramento State. That's where she's going to be competing in track and field. We leave tomorrow. So she's so excited. Uh, but yeah, it's tough to be a single dad right now, but um, we're a close-knit family and they have my back and I truly have their back for sure. So awesome. proud of you, sir. Thank Arthur you. Arthur Brown, thank yes, you so much, my you. friend. Wonderful, wonderful you. time with you.